1: Hello, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from Atlantic State Journal and Detroit Free Press, focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Friend, your host and sports writer for LSJ. joining me this week, as always, our LSJ sports columnist, Graham Couch, and Detroit Free Press beat writer, Chris Solari. Gentlemen, uh, we are into the throes of March, the ids of March, the Ides of March, however you want to say it. Uh, we got a very busy week here for up uh, coming up for you guys, and uh, kind of started this past sunday with uh, the announcement that uh, michigan state will be playing foster lawyer and davidson in the first round of the ncaa tournament on friday night which is uh always very exciting so many headlines so many storylines it makes your jobs both easy and difficult at the same time because you know you you know you're gonna have to write about <laughs> certain things especially when it comes to foster lawyer but uh i think i thought it was funny that the a lot of bracketology experts you know maybe experts in quotes or whatnot uh had Michigan State playing Davidson uh, before the selection show was announced. So I guess a good job for a lot of those uh people. Uh grandma wanna start with you. What was your reaction to the announcement of the, the on selection Sunday that the Spartans would draw Davidson?
2: Uh grateful that I'd already done a foster lawyer story and <laughs> didn't have to tackle it again. Um, sometimes
0: timing is wonderful.
2: Yeah for things. Goodness gracious. I was I was grateful, grateful, grateful because, you know, I mean obviously it, it's a story that has to be written, and he's going to be asked about. And, and, but it's also a story I think people will tire of very quickly um, by the time people are actually able to talk to him this week. But the other thing is I actually felt bad for Foster Lawyer. That was my initial thought was, you know, he found a perfect place for him, a great basketball fit. He's had this unbelievable year. They're absolutely an NCAA tournament team. They're fun to watch. And now his NCAA tournament experience is going to be overwhelmed by facing his former team, and not that there aren't isn't the potential for this great sort of you know I don't want to say avenging sort of thing because he he was a captain of this team he loves those guys but not that there isn't you know if he scores 20 points and, and everything goes well the, and they win and not that there aren't potential great storylines for him I just. Bet deep down, he wishes they were playing somebody else. Or maybe
0: not. I I, I agree with you on that in some ways. And I think Tom Izzo probably feels that way as well. And I think that's where his tongue in cheek, you know, it's wonderful for TV comment came from uh, out of the gate with that. Um, I I just want to go back to to the part where phil says that we're now just now getting busy it's almost as if the big 10 tournament didn't even exist it's been it's been busy oh it's also spring football too uh starting on tuesday and we had mel tucker on monday so yeah it's been a interesting and and very very uh packed already week and a half that is is just getting ramped up with pro day on Wednesday for football and everything else. But back to the NCAA's, um, you know that's that's obviously one of the things that you know not just the Foster lawyer angle, but um, you know being around the Krzyzewski, uh and Duke situation right now with what's going to be his last NCAA tournament uh, is going to bring on a whole other thing that that's going to render the Foster lawyer. And Michigan State story is just a little minor subplot in that in that Greenville uh, with Bond, Von Secor's Wellness. I don't know. There's a lot of names that that are in there, but I mean it's going to be uh, it's going to be madness down there. Really, I mean when you talk about March Madness, there's all eyes in the in the country are going to be on that because of Shostak and Duke, and they play Fullerton in the first game, and if Michigan State gets through, they get. Just like in 2019, the Zion Circus, um, they'll get a chance at the Sashevsky Circus. So hold your hats because this could be a very long weekend on top of everything else.
1: I find it interesting that uh, this is also basically, uh, the both games are basically road games for Michigan State with Davidson, uh, you know, not too far away from Greenville as well.
2: Yeah, although Davidson is a, uh, a fairly small school with sure, a modern crane sure, sure. base. Um, you know, I don't think it'll be... I mean, Michigan State, given the Charlotte, just an Atlanta region alumni, I mean, both those towns are within a couple hours. I mean, I, I think Michigan State will have a decent showing. Duke uh, has fans. Most of them aren't in North Carolina. Uh, I'm not saying... you know. I mean, they're not. They're just in New York. They're in sure. other places. It's it, So it's not really... It's not like playing UNC or something down there either. I mean, I know people think Duke has advantages, but uh, Duke basketball is sort of like... Um, a more pronounced version of Michigan basketball, in the sense that uh, Michigan is a bigger national brand than it is locally, it has more fans elsewhere than than, uh, than Chrysler Center on most given days, and and um, that's, there are certain programs that have that dynamic, and, and I think Duke is uh, Duke is, is is certainly one of them. It, it is going to be though a it is an interesting pairing. It is you know you talk about the storylines and the, the, the ISO. Um, mentioning that, you know, that's good for TV. Uh, I, I don't think this was, it It, it was interesting. Matt Charbonneau brought up a good point, and he's done those mock bracket things, you know, where you go down and, and uh, as a member of the media and, and sort of go through the process. And he says every time they do it, you go through it, you're not seeking out storylines, but at the end, you look at like five different pairings, and it's like, well, that's a juicy one. Like, in other words, it just kind of, kind of happens. Like, you can talk to, um, I was talking to Kevin Palga with Michigan State yesterday about you know Miami can't face Duke in the second round. So that's a 10-7 matchup that can't happen that then creates the Michigan State Davidson game. So there there are lots of reasons right. it can happen other than the you know I don't know that Foster lawyer is Michigan, a big draw. Michigan, to make well, I was that. Say, Michigan
0: Michigan State can't play Loyola in the first round to prevent a a Michigan State uh <laughs> Correct. Valentine game because they already played in the Bahamas. So, right. I mean, you know that could have been a pairing had that game in the Bahamas not happened.
2: Right. And you saw some people even but, put those pairings who uh, bracketologists who didn't actually know or that they had met or something because you'd see that once in a while you'd yeah. see Loyola Michigan State as a as a, uh, yeah. as a potential pairing. To
0: learn through this, and you know, not saying that Charbonneau didn't make a good point for the first time in his life, but. Um, I only say that because I know he doesn't listen. Um, not you know that that's college basketball is a small world, and when you start cutting out, you know, it, based on the the restrictions that are are, are there for the committee members, um, it gets even smaller. So these these kind of subplots are, I, I think it's just that's just purely the luck of the draw. Uh, but at the same point, you know, you'd be hard pressed to not think that well, maybe there are, is a little not necessarily manipulation um, on seed lines or anything, but um, I I would say more of just the fact that it looks curious, but it probably is nothing more than just the way that the S curve is and how small the the college basketball world is when you only have, what, 65 power programs, something like that between the the major conferences, Maybe, maybe about 80 programs or so out of 335. That, that have a, a general chance to get in every year.
1: All right, well, let me ask you guys this. Coming off the uh, Big Ten tournament with the wins over Maryland and Wisconsin and then uh, the narrow defeat to Purdue in the Big Ten tournament semifinals, did you guys think the seven line was was a good one for them, or should they have stayed on the eight-nine line, or maybe even should they have been in stronger consideration for a six seed?
2: I thought it was fair. Um, I thought, you know, they've had some years where they've been um, underseeded, um, and uh, this was not one of them you know, and if you had told me that it all worked out to an eight or nine, I would have said that's, that's fine too. I think that the win over Wisconsin, I know some people overplay the, um, the, the conference tournament results. Uh, but the win over Wisconsin was a, another good win that if it would, if they were teetering, probably put them in the, uh, in the seven. I'm not sure beating Purdue would have moved them up if they beaten Purdue again, but that would have been a really strong win. Um, So, yeah, no, I thought it was, it was, it was absolutely fair where they wound up.
0: Yeah. It it might've pushed them up higher on the seven and maybe there would have been a chance based on what we just talked about with, with matchups that preclude people that maybe they've moved on, on the S curve a little bit, but I mean, uh, that's what we talked about coming in to last week uh, on the podcast is just, you know, beat Wisconsin. You'll probably end up going from an eight seed to a seven seed and that's pretty
2: much what we
1: saw. While I was uh, relaxing on the beaches of Costa Rica during the Big Ten tournament, I was reading your... (laughs) It's a hell of an
2: image, by the way. A
1: lot
0: Uh, of humblebred. Phil, did you you happen to get sunburned on the beach?
1: (laughs) I mean, uh, the answer, of course, is yes. And uh, that image that Graham was talking about... I know. Oh, no. You're sunburned. You're hurting. Your shoulders and back hurt. You know what? Nobody cares. But uh, but Graham, the image is of, of a beached whale. Yes, you are correct
2: rescuing a SEAL, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just uh, You can picture any of it. Yes,
1: exactly. But anyway, where I was getting to, while I was there, I was reading your guys' stories from the Big Ten Tour, and I seem to, seem to believe that the consensus is that uh, this is a team that uh, appears to be peaking at exactly the right time and is primed for... Maybe a potential second-round upset uh, of the Duke Blue Devils and ending Coach K's career, which would be very exciting. But uh, let's just look at the Spartans right now and how they're just playing in general. And, and as the season draws to an end here,
0: well, I want to make a point first because I don't necessarily think "peaking" is the right word. Um, okay. Because this team has gone up and down so much, they're playing better than they had been, uh, and you saw it for a two to three game stretch that they played more cohesively and more connected. That doesn't mean it's peaking. If you know what I'm saying here. I mean, it means that they had a good three game stretch They're They're on, they're back on an upward climb. I wouldn't say they're peaking. Fair enough.
2: It was probably too early to say peaking. It was their best stretch of basketball in some time. And so whatever that means, I mean, this is, I don't think a team we're going to trust ever. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, I, I – I um,
0: Probably since the non-conference season, I right. would say. It, other than- yeah. I
2: mean, and, 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 you know, to be fair to them, they got A.J. Hogard back, and he was out for those two miserable games against Ohio State and Michigan. And if you look at their trajectory, when he plays well and the way he was playing, the way he played against Purdue the first time, there was some evidence that some things were happening for him. So I don't want to act like what he did in the tournament was a one-off either. You know, like this was – this was this was coming, um, and so you know there's an argument that they might be peaking. the The, the thing is, they're going to have to show that in the Big Ten tournament, or sorry, in the NCAA tournament, to to actually prove that that was what we just saw. Um, and And I do think there's a chance, though. I mean, Duke is not playing all that well. Uh, they've got more pros. There, it's a more talent on that team. But if you watch the Virginia Tech game or you watch the North Carolina game. Yeah. And there is also an immense amount of pressure on this particular Duke team, which is a young team, and a situation that the other thing we're going to have this month, you know, not, most of these teams have nobody who's played in the NCAA tournament. I mean, there's a few guys with seniors and some of the super seniors, but it, you know, there, it wasn't just last year that was weird, or they played last year, it was this no fans NCAA tournament, but Duke didn't play in that last year. The year before that, it's called off. You know, So you get these guys who are in this huge pressure at the end of Coach K, and they haven't played in these situations. And I don't think they're playing better than Michigan State. I wouldn't pick Michigan State to necessarily beat them, saying that should be the favorite thing. But I would say it's as 50-50 as you can think about it. Now, Michigan State's got to beat Davidson, obviously, to get there. But um, I, I think the draw is about as favorable as it can be for Michigan State because I like the matchup with Davidson um, for them. There are ways they can lose it. But I overall, I like the matchup for them. I think Michigan State will determine whether they win or lose it. And, and it's not one of those that can go either way if they play well. And then Duke is a set, is a two seed that probably shouldn't have been a two that is is absolutely uh, beatable the way they're playing right now and gives you what would be the greatest bounce. Like if you think about how people would feel about that win, ending Coach K and going off to the Sweet 16 – for this team, at that point, it would be you know, everything is icing on the cake from that point forward.
0: Well, you also have to, you know, I, I don't want to be the, the spoiler here, but what are the odds that Fullerton knocks them out? You know, I mean, Duke's playing pretty struggling basketball. I mean, they they got beat at home by North Carolina and, you know, in, in Krzyzewski's last home game. You know, that Virginia Tech team outworked them. Uh, pretty pretty handily, and you know they struggled with Syracuse in in the the tournament before turning it on. I mean, in a lot of ways, there's a, there's a little bit of Michigan State in that Duke team, so I'm not I'm not discounting anything out of the realm of possibility of of even even to the point of seeing Davidson and Fullerton play on Sunday. Um, that said, you know both Michigan State and Duke should be there um, if they can. Find the consistency and find the motor. And for Michigan State, if you're able to to put forth the energy that you did in particularly the the Wisconsin and Purdue games, um, because the Maryland game had basically a half a good basketball and a half a really bad basketball, particularly that final two twenty six. But you think about having seven turnovers in two minutes and twenty six seconds, nearly blowing a twenty point lead. And then having eleven turnovers in the next two games combined, um, that's one of those positive signs that if you're Michigan State and, and you do match up against Duke, that you look at and you say, if we play like this, if we play like we did against Wisconsin, if we play like we did against uh, Purdue in those games, we can beat the, a team with more talent uh, like like Duke has. So it'll be you know. You know, again, got to get past a, a team that, and we talked about this early in the year. There was there was a point where I I looked at you and I said this team's going to have some issues with three point defense, and they've had moments where they've been outstanding perimeter defensively, and they've had times where they've given up nine, ten, eleven threes in a game. So to beat Davidson, you've got to have that lockdown. On the perimeter, particularly not just lawyer. Their bigs need to be able to stretch and do that. That's that's how you have to get. You have to be able to to take that element away from from Davidson to move on. If you ask me,
1: and also something we haven't really talked about yet is uh Tyson's walk, or Tyson's Walker, Tyson Walker's injury. Uh, and Tom Izzo said in the press conference on Monday that it was going to be a quote unquote coin flip whether or not he plays. Now, obviously, him. Not being available would be a big factor, but exactly how big of a factor do you think that will be, Graham?
2: Big against Duke. I mean, it would help against Davidson, it would help against everybody, but big especially against Duke uh, because what, what he is not only is he a good defensive player on the ball and all that stuff, um, but you're going to face a team that you know is it, it, your best, you're even up with, and he has become their closer on shots. He like if you ask somebody who's Michigan State's best player, you get a lot of different responses, right? I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to say. And I I don't think anybody would say Tyson Walker is their best player. Some would say A.J. Hogarth. Some might say Malik Hall. Uh, some might say most talented players, Max Christie, you know, Gabe Brown on certain nights, whatever. But I, I would say almost everybody would say if you had to make a shot at the end, you've got the ball. You've got to create a shot. If you need you need a bucket late, the Tyson Walker has kind of become that guy. And – when the, the offense gets stagnant or you're, you're, I, I do not think they beat Duke without Tyson Walker. And so that, that to me is, um, you know, that, that, that should, uh, I, 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 I yeah, I, 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 but, that but that what
0: percentage it. Tyson Walker, that's, that's a, is just as big a question. I and mean, if you get a 60 to 75% Tyson Walker, um, who who's playing on a, a bum ankle, you know, whether, you know, I mean, you're probably not going to get him for 20 minutes a game. So um, here's
2: here's what you need from him, to me, is you need Tyson Walker to be able to play off the ball with Hogard, the way they've been using that, and play enough to be in a rhythm late in the game. But the, the Hogard matchup with having him and, you know, having some of their defensive flexibility that they have, you don't have to put Tyson Walker defensively on the toughest matchup. You know, you can – I'm not saying you can rest him on defense, but you can kind of avoid maybe having him guard on the ball at least. And so, if if what you do is you play him, you know, five minutes at the point, and you know, six seven minutes alongside Hogard, that might be enough. I don't know. I'm I'm not saying you're going to beat Duke anyway. I think they can beat Davidson without him. I think the bigger key for them against Davidson is the the backline defense. I mean, they're going to have to get out and guard shooters. That's without question. Where yeah. Davidson kills you is if you also get picked apart on the back doors and their cuts and all that sort of stuff. And that comes down to, it sounds like, Julius Marble and Malik Hall doing their version of Antonio Smith from the Princeton game in 1998 and sitting back there and, 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 and being quarterback. And those, those are big jobs. It's very interesting, though. This is telling. Julius Marble is truly a five. He only plays the five. The other guy who's being asked to play quarterback is not the other five. And <laughs> Marcus Bingham, it is Malik Hall. So that just gives you a little sense of things. They're, they're like, we're not, yeah. we're, they need Marcus Bingham to be the best version of Marcus Bingham without trying to do something uh, that he's probably not best at.
0: Well, I think I don't think it's just so much that. I think that there needs to be the communication between the two. And, and you know, when you look at the substitution patterns right now it's Marble and Hall together. It's it's Hauser and Bingham that are starting. So I think that, you know, I think Marble used the term they need to be the policemen back there um, and traffic cops, which I think that what he said about him and Hall also goes for Hauser and Bingham in their playing patterns with the substitutions. Um, so I don't think that's necessarily, but it's also at the same point, probably a little more important for Hall and and, and Marble to do that because they don't have the ability to erase at the rim like, like Bingham does. So probably a little bit of that too. Um, you know, I, I think though that uh, to me though against Davidson, I think they would probably like to have Walker to match him up. Uh, you know, from a size standpoint with uh, Lawyer, but now you'll you know if he's not going to play, um, you'll probably have uh, he'll probably get a steady diet of bigger guards with with Hogard and more likely Jaden Um, I would imagine those two would be the the ones who, who will check him. Um, so, but they also need a little bit of length uh, for, for some of the other guys, like the, the South Korean Lee, um, you know, that'll probably be on Max Christie to use his length and speed and lateral quickness to kind of take away his game. Um, but the, to me, the bigs need to be out and challenging. Um, cause you know, the one thing about Davidson is their, their, their bigs can shoot. They've got about three or four bigs that, that aren't afraid to, to step out and, and hit from three. Um, so the, that's, that is Brachowicz. Um, I mean, he hits 42% from three at six, six ten. and manning, uh, he's not as good of a three point shooter, but he hit four in a row uh, in the, the game against Richmond. So, you know, they've got about three guys that, you know, the Jones kid as well, that all are, Jones is the, the guard, but they, they've got another big that can step out and hit uh, as well. So you, I think the bigs have to be able to, you know, particularly on that high ball screen, um, they can't just abandon their guy and start drifting towards the post. They got to be able to climb above it and, and make sure that they're in those guys' grill.
2: And the thing about those shooters, and, and I watch these guys play close up against Duquesne and uh, Duquesne's not very good. Let me start there. But um, Duquesne's got decent athletes. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, those bigs, when they shoot threes, it's because what they do gets them open. Lee is their best player. Like lawyers, their leading scorer. Lee is their best player. And he is, he can rise up and hit, and he can shoot from anywhere, and he is—he is, yeah. is tremendous. And that is a big assignment. Like that is not—you you don't help off him ever. You, you you help off him, you pay, and so that is a—you know—he will cut on you. He will, um, he, you know, he'll hit from anywhere. Like that's a—he and he's—he's he's got size to him. Like he is a, um, you know, I'll be interested to see what his career is in professional basketball. Um, but yeah, that to me is a challenge.
1: Let me ask you guys this. What do you expect to see from Foster Lawyer on Friday night? How do you expect Michigan State to try to defend him? And uh maybe at the end of this conversation a prediction of how many points you think Lawyer will score on Friday night?
0: Well, particularly if Walker's out, I, I expect them to just go big physical, kind of a lot of the things that you saw uh him be challenged with a year ago in Big Ten play that that really kind of rendered him ineffective. Um, you know, you put bigger guards on him. Chase him around. Don't let him uh, get into any kind of shooting rhythm. Um, so it's so it's 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 kind of a uh, you know glass half full, glass empty, half empty situation because you know what makes what what is Foster Lawyer's kryptonite, but Foster Lawyer also knows your defense in and out to find himself some free free space to create some shots.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. Hogard size wise should be a good. You know, I mean. The- Lawyer is a different player in a different place, different swagger, all that stuff, but he's still foster lawyer, right? I mean, you you know, you've got yeah. some athletic advantages on him, and they'll know him. Well, um, I don't, I don't think he'll be their biggest problem. I, th- I mean, he might hit a couple threes. This team's going to hit some, um, but uh, you know, to me, it's, it's really about it. Michigan state is physically the team they were at the big 10 tournament and they don't lose shooters. They should win this game. And, um, they're they're it, it, physically it's a, it, it's not a bad matchup for MSU. Uh, MSU to me is much worse off facing a team that's like them. That that um, they would have been worse off facing a high major that had some flaws but had some dudes. And Davidson does. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's yeah. But it's it's athletically they're not going to cause MSU problems a, a, a lot of places.
0: You mentioned about trying to get a point total for lawyer. I mean, you know, his numbers this year are, are pretty darn good at 16.3 a game. Um, and you know, Izzo joked about, he's probably going to bench anybody that fouls him because he shoots about 94% at the line. But, um, you look at the game that he played against Alabama, you know, which is, I think it just kind of scrolling through the only power five team he played this year, played 34 minutes, went three for seven, and had 11 points, um, but he also had, I believe, eight assists in that game as well. So, you know, uh, so so there's certainly some some challenges that that he might face. Um, you know, he had a, a couple four turnover games this year, which you know, again, that was an issue against bigger guards uh, the last couple of years that he played at Michigan State. So, I mean, I, I think you know, you hold him under his average you know to between eight to ten points i think we should state depending on how the other guys lock everybody up i don't think i think foster lawyer is the third the third guy you really have to worry about with lee and brockovich um i, I think that's those those two guys are the ones that you're going to say i need we need to shut these guys down and then worry about lawyer
1: yeah the only reason one to ask is well i'm sort of surprised we're all on the same page here because if you read some things on Twitter, maybe some other articles, uh, I think there's an impression that this is going to be some sort of like huge Foster lawyer revenge game where he's going to go for like twenty five or thirty points. And like you guys said, I don't really see that coming close to happening. At all like I even I even think the point total for him is going to be pretty low. I'm going to guess I would guess as low as like six to eight points for him in this game. I think I think I think the guys will, I think Hogard and if Walker plays and Max Christie or Aikens whoever's on them, I think they'll all be locked in pretty pretty hard on him.
2: Well, so and here's what he fought. They don't run a ton of stuff for Foster Lawyer. Um, you know, he gets his points because you know Lee and Luca are are becoming, are, are, and everybody else is a is a menace. And you, all of a sudden, you've left Foster Lawyer open. You know, <laughs> or he comes off a ball screen and you handle it wrong or motion. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the way it would happen is it, it, it's one thing to say they'll be locked on Foster Lawyer, but there's enough motion going on in that offense and and, and sort of they take what you give them that. Where, where you're going to find yourself in trouble, and where he could have a nice game, is you know you're, you're you're scrambling to cover other guys, and and you wind up leaving him open, and they'll they'll move it quick. I mean, it's a really good offensive team. Michigan State fans, the only thing that's really bad for Tom Izzo about this game is that every MSU fan is probably going to leave the game going, why doesn't MSU run that offense? <laughs> because like um, you watch it and you go wait that's a lot more fun. Wait what the hell is the hell is running? You know like and and, and look it just it's different and what I mean what, it's true. I mean it's just a better offense. But uh, Davidson is a a great program for its offense for what it's done with shoot first point guards for a long time. And, and it's guard plan and, and Michigan state is, is where it is for its defense. They're just different programs in, in, in that sense.
1: Parsing your guys' comments and words for the first 30 minutes of this podcast. I assume we are all on the same page that Michigan state will beat Davidson, but lose to Duke in the second round. Do you guys have any additional thoughts on those predictions or? I disagree. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Go ahead.
2: In my bracket, at least I have Michigan state winning. Okay. And I don't know if it's, because two things, two reasons. One, I, I've seen a little bit of maybe too much of Duke lately and not enough when they're playing well during the year. So there's a big part of me that, like, has seen too much recent Duke, where they seem to be really struggling at times and 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 Michigan State playing a little bit better. So some of it's recency bias. But the bigger part of that is, I've never thought this Duke team was going to overwhelm MSU. I, I think MSU's played better teams in the Big Ten than Duke, as, especially mm. Purdue. And then the other... Part of that is that Michigan State is at this point slain the demon that is Duke. Like this is not a few years ago. That Kenny Going shot beating them to go to the Final Four. That's happened. Last year, winning at Cameron, even though both those teams were not not being all that good. That's happened. Like and and a lot of guys on this team were part of that. Part of, you know. And so I, I don't. To me, the, the aura of Duke to who they are to MSU is no longer what it once was. And I think just from a basketball perspective and where these two teams are perspective, I think it's very close to to fifty fifty, and and Duke right now I don't think is in a great state of things. And that said, they'll win by twenty, probably right. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and I mean, listen, the, you, those guys may have been part of the the win at Cameron last year, uh, but that's also a Duke team that didn't make the tournament. There's only two guys who were on that team that beat. Uh, Zion and that that's Marcus Bingham who didn't really play and uh, Gabe Brown who played minimally. So yeah, that's uh that's uh, that to me, I, 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 I still think they lose to Duke because I just think that the Krzyzewski thing is going to be quite a bit, but it's going to be hard to even, it's going to be hard to see how that crowd is down there as well, because they could, honestly swing the other way and you know there, there may be a lot of North Carolina fans who made up may want to see Krzyzewski lose to Michigan State too who become you know quasi Michigan State fans um, but I do think the Davidson game will be a very good one um, and I think that they will get through and pull away a little bit late I, I think their size and their 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 overall depth and talent uh, will ultimately give them you know about an eight to ten point win
1: a trigger warning to a few of our listeners here. We are going to stray away from Michigan state specific talk here for a few minutes. And I want to get Graham and Chris's and I'll deliver myself as well. Our final four predictions and national champion pick Chris, I want you to go first with your, with your final four predictions and national champion.
0: Well, I I do think that it's going to be an interesting tournament because everybody's been so up and down across the country all year. It's, it's, going to be hard to project, um, in, in a number of ways. Uh, but I, you know, I've got Gonzaga, who I think has been maybe the most consistent of the teams this year. I've got Purdue, um, who I think just has a lot of talent, um, and a lot of depth. I've got Villanova and Kansas with Gonzaga winning it. Cause I just think that Gonzaga getting there last year, um, gives them a chance to, know what it's like and and have a little bit of uh a little bit of revenge and and this is let's face it there's something to be said about what gonzaga has done over the years and not gotten there and you know i think that from from mark's view standpoint this may be his best chance to to do it and i think this is the year they get it done
1: all right we'll see if the zags finally get it done chris we understand you have to go life calls thank you for joining us on the podcast this week
0: You got it, guys. We'll talk some football next week, maybe, or we'll talk a lot more basketball.
2: A lot more (laughs) basketball. Yeah, spring football. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. I like Iowa a lot. Uh, I like some of the Big Ten uh, draws. I I think I have Iowa, uh, Baylor, uh, Gonzaga, and – uh, da, 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 da. give me the other other bracket would be it's the
1: top uh top left whichever one top right whichever yeah. one that is.
2: right uh you know it, that one's tough because you know i don't know arizona's point guard situation how that's going to go if they're really going to get them you know um but give me give me um somebody else is going to come out of there and i i really don't have a great feel for it but i have iowa and Gonzaga and Iowa winning the championship. Sorry, Gonzaga winning the championship.
1: I think all three of us have kind of some shared uh, shared bracket stuff here. I have Gonzaga, of course, and I have UCLA coming out of that bottom bracket. So it will be a Gonzaga-UCLA rematch in the national semifinal on that side. And then Iowa. I, I told myself going in, I was like, no Big Ten teams. I'm still hurt from what happened last year when I rode hard for, like, Illinois, Ohio State, Purdue, and then all of those teams, like, flamed out as quickly as humanly possible. But I, of course, did not follow that, and I'm taking Iowa to the Final Four. And a team, and in that other bracket, the team that I have been, like, really riding for, and I've t- told people that I like them as a bet, Villanova. I think they're a team that uh, can win the national title, and that's who I have winning the national title with Villanova beating Gonzaga in the championship game. So I got a little, got a little loose and crazy with my Final Four picks there.
2: Yeah, no, I I, I respect that. It, it's a year where I don't know. It's I mean, you a lot of. I think there are probably thirteen, fourteen teams that have a chance, and so I, you know, it, it's. I don't know if there's a you know we never see it coming a, a ten or eleven seed you know but I think there are a number of teams that that, that could absolutely be there, including several in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, there's a few other teams like I like Saint Mary's a lot. But I didn't like their matchups. Like I la- actually like Providence a lot too. But then, but they got a ho- they got a horrible draw. South Dakota State. They're one of those other, like you know seeds that lower seeds. That's like, oh, well, they're a team that can definitely knock some teams off. And Providence is the type of team, <laughs> exactly the type of team that they they can, they can beat. So, um, not a lot of I didn't like a lot of matchups for the te- for my upset picks. So I really did want to talk football for a couple of minutes here since we had the Tucker press conference this week, and I believe players. Today as well. Was there anything that that kind of stood out from what Mel said uh, yesterday?
2: Well, he was. Uh, yeah, he was. He would look to go. He he looked like a guy who's fired up for spring ball, and he looked like a guy who's. And I think he enjoys it. I think he he loves the 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 chance to measure his program, the things you get to do in a spring without the stress of games, without the game prep, without the grind of a season. Without, I I just think he is sort of intrigued about pushing his program to the next level and seeing what he's got um and so I, I thought that was um but yeah i mean that w- there was some interesting stuff there there were some you know uh coaching moves stuff he talked about the move at defensive line and you can tell pass rush is something he really wants to improve and that's why he's made that change and brought in a specialist and uh he'll be working with the corners directly which i found interesting um and you know that's a position they struggled with at, at times
1: yeah, that was that was that was injury related though too, as as part of that and transfer related. with Kalon G- Gervin could not Absolutely. have left could not have left at a worse time.
2: <laughs> and they they're, they're the, the new the new guy Speedy they call um uh what's his last name is actually Speed right is um a guy that they talked today about being a guy with as fast as they've seen in a while with long arms his physical like he could be really something right away at that position. <laughs> Um, so I think there's um, yeah I think there's reasons for intrigue. I think the program's at a different place um, certainly than a year ago, and you, you know who your quarterback is, right? You know who your top receivers are. You got some young receivers that are really promising. The tight end position I think could be terrific. Not just Malik Carr, they get Hunt back, who's really a solid, stable guy, and then you get the transfer from Illinois. I think that could all of a sudden be a position of strength, which could be huge for this team. The, the real the real keys I think there's going to be offensive line development. Um, and some younger guys there and, and, you know, getting that group to be, to be solid. Um, and defensively, I think they will take a step this year. Uh, I think it helps having a guy like Xavier Henderson back. Um, he was interesting to talk to today. I mean, I think those guys were a little humbled by, uh, the NFL evaluation process. It was interesting. Like you think, like uh, I think it was Henderson, Xavier Henderson who talked about, you know, even Kenneth Walker looked like he's all everything, right. And eventually runs a four three eight at the combine. To see what the NFL people write about him, it's like, oh goodness gracious! I mean, they're picking you apart because that's the goal of these guys. Right. And and I think that was uh, for Xavier didn't have a great back half of the season and was beat up a little bit. He sort of realized his best chance to uh, have a shot in the NFL was probably to come back and and uh, to have a better run of it. He looked in, in, in great.
1: And then, even if he does have a great year next year, he's going to get dinged for being an older guy already. And he's maybe he's maxed. They'll say he's maxed out. Maybe blah blah yeah, blah, yeah, you know, stuff NFL, like
2: that. But NFL careers are different in the sense that you're only, you know, a guy like him. You're hoping he has a decent run. You're not, you're not counting on a guy at 32 years old anyway. You know, you're trying to get a guy for for a contract length for for five years who does something good for you. You know, and like he's a great leader. He'll interview well. Uh, but yeah, you're. I mean, there's no question that the older you get, the It probably doesn't doesn't help you in in certain ways. He did play as a true freshman, though, so he's not, you know, he's not a six year guy. Um, So there's that. So yeah, no, I I, you know I I understand the optimism. I understand why people are as fired up about football as they have been in a long time. And 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 even for me, like there have been years where this day would have been almost nauseating for me, just because I'm. I'm, I'm, And it's nothing against MSU. It's just I am a sick like
1: right. We're in We're in We we are we are in basketball mode. That is a fact.
2: Yeah, no. I remember once being a in a playing catch in the front yard in baseball season with a friend when I was like twelve, and him talking about football and me being like, "Who, who cares about football? It's June." Like this is. I've always been one of these cyclical guys. Like you yeah. asked me my favorite sport as a kid, it was whatever we were doing at that moment, and I've always struggled to uh, care about the other things outside of it. And and I'll, I'll just that's who I am. So right. it's nothing MSU related. It's just strictly a. You put me in the, uh, you put me mid March Madness, and then start telling me about April football, and I'm, you're like nah, I'm, I'm tuning it. you out. I may write it, but I'm not reading it. <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, the only thing I wanted to add that was of note, I thought it was interesting that Scotty Hazelton, who is the defensive coordinator, will take over as the linebackers coach, and I, th- I think that's sort of important just from the aspect of. There's only two linebackers in your four-two-five defense, and you have a lot of linebackers on your roster. So you, the fact that your Scotty's going to have direct contact, you know, with those linebackers as his position coach, I think will say a lot about how the depth chart plays out and and how they'll fit into certain schemes and situations on on the field this fall. So, and another note on top of that, speaking of linebackers uh ben van sumeren on monday a he decided to go back in the transfer portal he was a kid who transferred from michigan uh to michigan state last year and is now leaving the spartans and his younger brother alex is a member of the michigan state football team
2: well it's interesting I, I think you'll have to sit out now i don't um that, that's an interesting move i mean i don't know what the i'm sure he'll apply for a waiver and all that stuff and i get why he's doing it like he's just not a guy who was a factor for them and they only play two backers and it didn't work out and you know so if i were a kid in that that, that realm I'd, I'd i'd uh i'd move on as well but yeah no i do think this would be an interesting spring i think it'll be an interesting i think um there is an energy around the program that has not been there in, in some time yep. and um and it is i think something that should excite fans
1: yeah i'm also not going to watch this but i am intrigued that the. the that that Peyton Thorne and Jane Reed are going to try to do that multicast thing and or whatever that got announced uh, for the Spartans and say tournament game on Friday night.
2: Yeah, it be. I mean that's something.
1: I'm you know I, I won't
2: be listening live, but I might try and go back and listen to it, you know, and, and um and uh, see you, you know, and, and it's another way to, to, to listen and take in the game for people. I, I think it's fun. I think it's cool. It sounds yeah. like they'll get paid a little for it, you know, which is great. And and um I think they're both uh nice kids who understand how to communicate they know each other really well and so there should be good rapport there um i you know i think it's a fun thing
1: yeah i think there's something to be said where you know maybe college age kids want to hear from for their fellow peers about how you know how games and whatnot are are going are happening and how they're going on and maybe maybe those two guys you know and they have are being they're named guys for michigan state so that might be a decent draw for for
2: everybody so absolutely
1: anyway uh, any final thoughts before we uh, sign off here for this week, Graham?
2: No, it should be it, you know should be a fun, interesting weekend. Um, you know, it's—it's it's a and it, it, this is different than the last time MSU was sort of in this spot as is a as a seven-eight realm when you know when they were there with that Miles Bridges crew in 2017 uh, when those guys were freshmen. That team really had no shot to make a move. That team was too young. Uh, they won that first game against Miami big, but they had no shot really to beat Kansas and, and, and move on. And I think this is a little different place. It's not that they will, they could absolutely lose to Davidson. They won't be favored to beat Duke and they could well lose that game. Um, but I, I do think, you know, when we've seen the best of MSU basketball, we've seen a little more of it lately. There's a decent chance that they wind up, um, you know, I, mean, I wouldn't call it above 50%, but it's just two wins. They've got to, you know, it's, it's a pick them. They've got to win against Davidson. And then a, a game as an underdog, but I would say there's a better chance than some people realize, I think that, that they could wind up in, in San Francisco and, and the sweet 16s.
1: All right. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan speak, a production of the Lansing state journal, Detroit free press and the USA today network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com freep.com and on Twitter at Graham underscore couch at Chris Solari at Phil underscore friend and at LSJ green white. Thanks for listening.